This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. I am Craig Hoffman. Uh, again, if you have not subscribed to the pod, love you to do so. Just for your sake. You know, we don't want you to miss an episode. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, or full episodes on YouTube. If you want to watch us, youtube.com slash at 1067 the fan and don't miss us pregame Sundays on the radio on team 980. Uh, of course on one Oh six, seven, the fan on both YouTube channels live at tap sports bar, MGM national Harbor. And then the post game show roughly 90 minutes after the game on it being a little closer to two hours this week, but again, subscribe on YouTube. That's a YouTube only stream. And then the pod comes out first thing Monday morning. So youtube.com slash at the team 980 and at one Oh six, seven, the fan. Okay. Let's get into the defense slogan. Um, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's get it out of the way, flush it from our systems, then never talk about it again. What the hell happened the first quarter and a half defensively where Denver gets out three touchdowns, three drives in thoroughly dominant fashion. Yeah. So I, I think they came out with a really good game plan. One of the first things that stuck out to me is they really came out and said we're going to run a lot of um, uh, a lot of pin pull stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of uh, this kind of like what I would call truck or taxi, which is like where you are blocking down with the receiver, you're pulling the offensive lineman, you're leading with the fullback, and you know we've talked about that concept before. Versions of that concept, I think when we were going to play Arizona, that was something that came up quite a bit. But they this team has a hard time fitting those runs for whatever reason. I'm not exactly sure why that is. Um, you know, like the, the technique that they're telling the defensive ends to employ is to like run basically straight up the field, get that guy to bubble, get the running back to bubble, and then hopefully pursuit hits it. But, uh, you know, they ran that play twice. The first big run was that play. And again, like that's something that needs to be better. Jamin is uh, on the first one, runs outside. He's, you know, he's playing that like overhang will backer, fits the tackle. 
you get two guys outside, you get Forbes outside, you get Jamin outside, and then Cody, who's playing in the backside B gap, you know, I, there's no feasible way you can expect him to get over there, like just based on the structure of the front. Um, he gets walled out of a gap. He gets walled, he, he gets blocked. But I'm also like, someone is messed up on the front side of this run. I don't know if Jamin's supposed to wrong arm that guard, basically hit his inside shoulder to try and get the back to bubble to the corner. Um, but they misfit that. And, uh, and again, that ends up being a big play. And that, that's one play they've had a consistently hard time fitting. And they run that again for the touchdown on that same drive. Like that's kind of what they want to do, right? Is they ran that. The crazy thing to me is that Sean Payton did not run that play after they scored a touchdown with it. So like they had two huge gasses and then they were like, no, we're good. We're not going to run that play anymore. So that that's a good example to me of an offensive coordinator kind of outthinking himself or forgetting what's been working for him. Um, I did think there was a, a big effort early in the game to get Jamin on the field more. You know, they were in true nickel as opposed to their Cinco nickel, um, which is a kind of a departure from what they would normally do. Um, then as the game went on, they kind of got back into that Cinco nickel, which is, you know, the five defensive linemen, um, Cody five and then backs, yeah. Cam and then Cody and Cam in the box. Right. So they kind of got back into that as the game went on. And I, I felt like they were better out of that from a pressure standpoint, but also like, Sean Payton wasn't calling the stuff that was working for him on the first couple drives, you know, like they had kind of gotten away from that a little bit. So that was a little bit surprising. Um, the next touchdown, the long uh, touchdown to Mims, they're trying to get into like one of these cover two inverts that they run where they bring the corners, they drop the defensive tackles out. They have the safeties play halves and then Cody Barton plays the middle of the field. I don't know exactly the rules on that coverage, but by rule of Tampa two, general Tampa two, Cody's got to carry that vertical. And Marvin Mims versus Cody Barton is a mismatch like nine out of ten times. So yeah, that that play, I watched it back. It was funny because Anthony uh, yesterday comes into the bullpen as we're preparing for the show, and he's like, what happened on that play? I was like, let's pull it up. And nobody plays it well because there's just like, eventually you, like, you got to be football players kind of deal. And, you know, I think you can make an argument that like, because it, it, Mims comes across the field, crosses the center line, and so, like, okay, he's in Derek Forrest's deep half, right? Percy Butler, hey, man, everything's happening in front of you. There's no one else close to you. Yeah. You should carry that. Cody Barton, carrying the vertical is actually your yeah. responsibility. But, like, from a, a logic standpoint, like you just said, from a speed, like, actual matchup standpoint, you have no shot. So it's hard to really get that mad at you. Um, and it, it, there's just kind of a lot of dudes, like, covering no one. And that's not ideal. And that's that's the hard part about zone coverage and these match rules and how they play it. And from an analysis standpoint, nevertheless, an execution guys on the field standpoint yeah. is like you have things that pull you in opposite directions. Like, I don't want to vacate this area because what if someone comes into it? But also, I don't know, that guy seems to be running wide open for a touchdown. Do I go chase him? And and that's why it's hard. And, you know, they ran a cover two beater and they beat cover two. Sometimes the offense wins. Yeah. And again, like you'd like maybe them to say, oh, you know, the two tight ends are locked up, you know, and Percy should match that. But again, if they run a crosser the other way into the zone, which people do, they run a post by number yep. by the one to his side and they run a crosser. If he matches the post, like crosser is wide open, it's a touchdown to the crosser. So um, really, to me, that just feels like a, a, a good call versus a, a coverage that um, you're just, you're trying to kind of get them. You're trying to trick them. You're trying to trick them into kind of like, you know, you're bringing these corners. You're trying to get the tackles to block down on the ends. You're dropping the defensive tackles out. You're trying to match crossers and kind of, you know, and and they just had a good call. Like they, they really just had an excellent call. 
versus the structure that the defense presented, and it leads to a touchdown. So that's 14 points right there. Excellent starting drive. They had a run that was really giving them fits in terms of how they how they needed to fit it. And then they had a, a great, a, a really good call versus a coverage that's not that it's not great against. So I, I mean that's that's really what it boils down to. And I think one of the one of the reasons they're able to settle in in the second half is a I think Sean Payton gets away from the stuff that he's that that those runs that we were just describing, like which is totally baffling to me. But whatever they get back into that Cinco front, you get guys some one on one matchups, and that ends up playing out great for them. Not that Jamin or Cody were playing poorly. It's just that, like, you know, you got your good players on the field, man. You get them in one-on-ones, and, and those guys are going to heat and hunt for you. And then um, I think uh, they did a better job in coverage in the back end of kind of playing, I don't want to say more vanilla stuff, but stuff that they were more comfortable with. So there weren't as many free runners in the back end. Obviously, there's the touchdown with the crossers, which is a tough, tough look again. They're yeah, basically basically running brutal. like basically running mesh out of a three by two out of empty. So the two crossers go, I think Jamin and Cody do a pretty good job or Cam do a pretty good job of passing it off. But Benjamin St. Juice matches. So in mesh, you get the two inside guys cross, right? Right. I'm sure people can visualize that. Then you have a third element that's basically running a sit over the ball, but it looks like they're running like a high cross. So St. Juice, who again is out wider because it's an empty formation, matches that crosser and then uh, matches that kind of sit route. And then the crosser comes up and he it's kind of it enters his zone and ends up being a touchdown. So that's that's what I would say there is like they just didn't to me that feels like a mental mistake by St. Juice. Yeah, they they put, you know, St. Juice, Kendall, and Cody all in conflict and they did not resolve said conflict. I mean it's t- that's why mesh is a good that's why mesh is good, man. Yeah. Mesh is good versus match, mesh is mesh is good versus zone because it forces guys to like play you know, communicate at a high level and and kind of remember their rules very, very quickly. And um, they kind of came out and ran it out of a different formation and it and they didn't see it quick enough and it ended up being a touchdown. So yeah, them's the breaks. You get got sometimes. Yeah, the offense. I mean, it's funny because we, we talk about the good stuff that happens on the offensive side and the film breakdown and people are like, yeah, go get them EB. And then when yeah. it happens to your defense, it's like, how could you possibly ever let that happen? And it's like, because sometimes the offense wins and sometimes <laughs> yeah, the defense wins. Right. And that happens in both sections of the podcast when we do the film breakdown. Yeah. Um, they obviously do get back to that Cinco front uh, a little right. bit later in the game. And you see that in the first possession of the second half, the Duran Payne three and out, which is just one of the most thoroughly dominant sequences of plays I'll, you'll ever see in the NFL from a singular player. Just yeah, a crazy. tremendous individual effort. And like it, there are other guys that matter on that. Like let's not make it wholly individual because his defensive line mates have to do their job, et cetera. But I wasn't kidding when Michael Phillips and I uh, could have been playing safety on that. That the the back end did not matter at all on those. Just such quick, violent wins by Duran, um, and you see that throughout the game. Um, not just from Duran, but John has a couple. Uh, Montez yeah. obviously has a couple. Chase has a couple, um, and and that's what can elevate this defense into the upper echelon, top ten, yeah. certainly top five. Uh, if Chase is going to clean up a few things and stay, you know, keep the the great stuff. It's so funny to me how the discussions around chase and the discussions around Sam wind up sounding the exact same, but um, you know, if, if he can now contribute on that higher level, like the sky's the limit for this defense. And and I think you see it, you saw the flashes that you want to see. And then the question is, can they just be a little bit more consistent and can they start faster, obviously uh, and make their lives a lot easier because against a team like Buffalo, perhaps versus a team like Denver, the comeback might not be there uh, in the way that it was yeah. on, on Sunday. 
Well, like I said, I've already started a little bit uh, of 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 the Bills prep, and they, that offense does a great job of just creating a ton of ton of grass. You know, and we'll we'll preview them more in the in the preview show. But that that's a scary bunch of playmakers over there. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, you know, obviously, the thing with uh, Duran, like they're they're trying to take a play action shot on the first play of that sequence, right? Of the, of the first half, they're trying to put. Okay, the so deck. maybe Michael and I would not have been ideal at safety then. But but I think to your point though, like they're in a slide protection. The two tight ends are blocking Montez, like they're doubling him. You got McGlinchey who's has to block down on the three, and he basically is like, I've never seen a three technique before in my life. I'm going to take like terrible footwork, and Duran's like, sweet, knock your inside <laughs> hand down and get a sack. Like talk about a quick win. Like holy cow, man. And so, again, that's what that structure, that front structure gives you is it, it makes it a little bit – the footwork changes a little bit for the offensive line. The protection rules change a little bit, and you get stuff like that. The next play, they're trying to run the football, and Duran goes a little bit rogue but basically says, I'm going to beat this guy inside. Beats him inside. There's a huge crease, but I love I, – I think it'd be interesting to talk to him about it because the back's an offset gun away. So Duran's on the defensive left, and the back is offset to the defensive right. And so when that happens, you got to know as a blocker and as a, as a defender, it takes the back longer to get to the play side of the run, which is one of the reasons I freaking <clears throat> hate offset gun runs because it basically plays like tight zone. And so Duran, I, I would bet the second he gets that hat to him, he says, I can win this inside because the back is so far away. Beats the guard inside, plays vertical, makes the tackle for loss. Love that. Love, I love that little detail. And I, again, it'd be interesting to ask him if he recognized that or if he just was like, I felt the guard overreach and I went for it. The next play, Montez Sweat with an excellent ET. He absolutely smokes the guard. He's got a free run of the quarterback. Russell Wilson vacates to the right. Duran does a great job of keeping contain on that play and bats the football down. So it wasn't entirely Duran, but like pretty damn close, man. You know what I mean? Pretty damn yeah. close. And again, great job by Montez there. But like that that sequence to me, and couple that with the sequence that they had last week against Arizona, where it's like I think it was Duran Tackle for loss, uh, Allen Tackle for loss, Montez sack. Like that those those sequences didn't happen last year. At least I don't remember them happening. Where they were like, hold up, timeout. Like we're done with whatever's happening right now. We're just going to assert ourselves on this game. And that to me is the characteristic. And I've said this a million times. That's the characteristic of a dominant group. So for them to come out, play the way they did. For Chase to play the way he did coming back on 40 snaps was awesome. Um, again, Montez, great day. Like There are times where that pocket just it doesn't even look like it's there. It's just a sieve of bodies running to him and guys just winning one-on-one. And I think in uh, you know um, in Allen's post-game pressure, he's like, it's a race, man. I, I, it's like I'm trying to beat them because there's only a finite number of sacks you can get in a game, and we're all racing to get there. And that's a very scary notion, especially when guys are being productive with their rushes and getting where they got to get. Um, what about Chase specifically? Um, certainly an up and down day. Uh, there are some rushes where he gets way too high. Yeah. There's sometimes he gets kind of buried inside and there's there's alleys to the outside. But I think what's cool is you see as the game goes, I, I feel like it happened a little bit less and, or like, you know, he does it on one snap and the very next snap he is super tight and he, he's super on the screws. Um, I also think as the game goes, you see him and Allen playing with each other a little bit yeah. more um, the way that, that they're able to do some stunts and twist some games up front um, or just John realizes that like, I got to pay a little bit more attention to what chase is doing and then cover for him if he's mm-hmm. going to do stuff. Um, and I don't know what, which one of those it is. Uh, but I, I feel like 
he got better as the game went. Sure. And you see the high upside stuff that makes him super special. And if they can keep tightening the screws, then it's just going to get better and better as the year goes. And and then, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of rushes where I was like, man, that's that could be better. And there was one. So, for example, on the fumble, on Jamin's fumble, like he, he goes violently inside, violent inside rush. And I was like, I wonder, like that's that's poor rushing integrity, right? Because, um, you know, obviously Russell Wilson's going to escape and, and scramble for a first down. But I do remember in the game plan show that I do with Coach Ron Rivera, he said, I said, how do you kind of manage like a rusher's creativity? Because, you know, they're basically artists. You know what I mean? They, like they're going to like the creative, the creative rushers are the best rushers. And the ones that rush outside of structure are the best because they can kind of do whatever and it puts the offensive line in a bind. And he said, well, I think one of the things Jack has done a good job of is, is identifying packages where they can be Rembrandt. Where they can go do what they want to do. And did Ron so, really say Rembrandt? No, I said Rembrandt. I'm putting, oh, okay. flat, I'm churching up a little bit okay. <clears throat> for Ron, for Ron's sake. Anyway, um, but in that look, Jamin is spying Russell, and so mm. if you're going to be Rembrandt in a situation, it's that situation. And then, so great inside move, vacates the pocket, and Jamin is really fast. Like he is very, very fast. Like holy cow, watching him to run that down was yes. so impressive. And so, so this is a point I made yesterday, but I want to make it here too. Yeah. This is the difference between a first round pick and like a third round, fourth round yeah. guy at linebacker is let's just make it David Mayo. David yeah. Mayo could also spy Russell Wilson, yes. but he probably runs him out of bounds and it's probably a two, three yard gain. Jamin yeah. is so fast that he gets there before the sideline and is able to force a fumble. And, and that one to two yard difference Right, it's a sack, it's behind the line of scrimmage, but that one and two yard difference of escorting him out of bounds and having to live to fight another down versus the game-changing turnover is what makes a guy like Jamin Davis worth a first-round pick. Yeah. Now, he's got to be more consistent over time, and you know I'd like to see him play more and all those types of things. But like when you talk about the special stuff of a Montez, of a Chase, of a Jamin Davis, like that's, that's the level of detail that we're talking about one to two yards here and there, which is the difference between a turnover and a three-yard gain out of bounds that is just a mundane play in the NFL. Yeah, and so, I mean, if you have, if, if, if anybody has time, go watch it. Watch from the end zone because he is like, he, it looks like everyone's kind of in slow motion and he's like sped up for some reason. And he, the way he closes that distance is is pretty spectacular. So that's one where I think maybe Chase has is, is got a little bit more uh, free reign to kind of be creative with his rush. There's another one where he gets high. And you're like, man, that's way too high in the rush. Russell steps up, finds a lane, runs for a first down. I think they get a holding call, so it's negated. Not on Chase, but you're like, come on, Chase, be more disciplined. But to his credit, man, the very next play, he's got a suit, very next rush, very tight rush angle. He's almost shoulder to shoulder with John. John does a great job of collapsing the pocket. There's nowhere for Russell to go. And then Chase escapes late. And then runs him down and gets his first sack of the game, you know. And I'm like that—that that maturity by him is something that we didn't see a lot when he was healthy last year or two years ago. And to see that kind of starting to come on his own, like that was a self-correction because he didn't have time to go to the sideline and get yelled at by Ron or Coach Scanina. Like he had to say, "Man, I was too high. Let me fix that up." There was another one where I thought, you know, it looks like he's—he's he's coming. Uh, he's coming in underneath. And then Montez is getting a sack coming over the top. But that is a rush plan versus scrambling quarterbacks. And I wonder if that was an opportunity for him to work an inside move. Uh, Montez takes it really high. 
understanding where he's going to vacate, knowing he's getting inside pressure, and Montez gets the sack. So I do think there were some times where he was rushing, maybe. You'd have to ask him about it. But just to my eye, rushing really well in the context of the rush and making corrections mm-hmm. in-game that I thought were very mature. So from a pass rush standpoint, I was very, very pleased with what he was doing. I thought he showed good power. thought he showed a good understanding of the line. He was very deliberate with that and had 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 dominant elements to his game, which is something that we've all been kind of waiting for from a pass run st- rush standpoint. He's always been pretty good against the run. But to see him kind of be that guy like, like Max Crosby, I've been watching a lot of Max Crosby because Las Vegas last week, they played the Bills, so watching him. He is so consistent about rushing his line, rushing his pass rush line, the line between him and the quarterback and not deviating from it. Mm-hmm. Like the tackle has to be perfect for 60 snaps if he's pass blocking him, right? And I saw a little bit of that from Chase, which gets me really excited that as he starts to go and continue to improve, that rush line is going to be super dialed in and he's going to be much more productive this year. So again, um, first game back, some things that were not good, some things that could have been better, but I think on the whole, after watching the film, I was um, more pleased than displeased and more excited about the future uh, with him. All right, last thing, back end wise. Um, oh, yeah. we, you, you had some fun uh, at my expense because on the pregame show, my key to the game was no explosives. And you're like, cool, good analysis, bro. How do you do it? Um, that, that was kind of your comment on the post game, which I was like, you know, that's a fair point. The answer is, don't bust coverage. How do you call <laughs> stuff that your guys can execute and That's you do not point. lose guys? Um, and so I think a comment you made about 10 minutes ago at this point, of uh, they switched to a little bit more vanilla coverage on the back yeah. end, uh, obviously plays into that. How do you prevent coverage bust? How do you prevent explosives? You make sure you keep everything in front of you, even if you give some stuff up and you're not confusing quarterbacks. And I think the the benefit at this point with the personnel that you have is you can do that stuff and still create turnovers because yeah. Emmanuel Forbes is a turnover machine yeah. and you've got speed all over the field. And that's fantastic because the simpler it is for you, the better, the less chance that someone's going to make some kind of critical mistake. So when we talk about you know, the things to clean up and starting faster, how much do you think that plays into it moving forward of maybe Jack dials it back a little bit earlier in games to make sure that his group gets into a nice rhythm and that there are no big explosive plays available because of, you know, self mistakes. Yeah. And let's be clear. I don't want to make it sound like Jack was going crazy out there. He just had a couple calls early that, you know, are a little bit of a novelty item and they've run them a lot in training camp or whatever, but they're a little bit new and they just didn't execute. It was a good call by, by Sean Payton. Um, you know, the other thing to, to the, kind of this point that you're talking about is like they got a little bit simpler and simple is a relative term here. Like the defense that they're running are insanely complicated because they're running all these matches. They got to match three by ones. The yeah, rules there's change. a ton of rules. It's and crazy. So it's 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 very complicated. But I did, I did feel like they, they did a good job of kind of bouncing between match and softer coverages. Um, and the other thing is like they were more consistent in the second half and the Broncos weren't like. And I think that is also kind of to your point, like you made me think about it with the Forbes thing, is Forbes gets an interception because Cortland Sutton is running a route that like doesn't appear to be in the playbook. You know, he's running a he's running like a hitch, but he's running it at like 15 yards. And I don't I've never been exposed to a hitch at that depth. And so Russell Wilson is expecting him to be there. He's not there. Kudos to Forbes though, like playing with excellent technique, right? Because he's playing like this kind of catch to soft quarters look where he's kind of his hips are open to the quarterback and he's kind of backpedaling. And, you know, if he's matching the receiver, there's no way he makes the play. But if he's playing the technique correctly, makes an excellent play on the football. So I do think that 
again, that's a, like a base day one coverage for them. I do think the more of that stuff you see, the better it gets. You know, even on Chase's sack, Cortland Sutton basically is blocking the corner and Russell's trying to throw him the football. So, like, obviously, like, there's an element of, like, hey, man, offensively and defensively, let's keep it simple so our guys do what they're supposed to do and we can play fast. And I felt like in the second half of that game, kind of getting back to that Cinco stuff, again, simpler coverage structures, ends up paying dividends for them down the road. Also, there were some great pressure packages I thought Jack brought that allowed them to kind of, again, not all the time, but sprinkled in a little bit. Like, for example, um, they run like a Cinco where they're dropping guys out, they stunt pain, and then Barton's like looping around as the spy, and they get a great hit on the quarterback. So there was enough variation, I thought, but they got away from like the super intricate stuff. And I do think that moving forward, that is something that is going to be really advantageous for this group because when they're playing fast, like they're an excellent group. Yeah, no, without question. Uh, Because, dude, when this team plays fast, they they are real fast. fast. I mean, the speed you have – all three levels is is pretty spectacular uh, from Montez and Chase on the edges to Barton and especially Jamin uh, in, in the middle or Cam when he's playing down on that second level. And then, uh, you know, on the back end, guys like Percy Butler, Emmanuel Forbes, incredible speed. Uh, so they they cover a lot of grass and that shows up week to week on the tape. All right. Uh, anything else from the game? Uh, if not, we can we can get up on out of here. I think that's it. I mean, we kind of covered all the big plays, I think. And, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. there was the one to Forbes, the deep pass. He just gets beat by guys a little bit faster than him. Um, that happens sometimes. But I feel yeah. like he's actually in pretty good technique and pretty good phase overall. But I think I think there's a lot of really good things, both offensively and defensively, to learn from. And also some things that make you get really excited moving forward. Some, some bad stuff to improve and some really high-level stuff you say, man, if they can keep do more of that, they're going to be a dangerous group and they're going to, this is something we, we said, like I think in our preview of the season is like, if they can play consistent, tough football, they're going to punch up. They're going to win games. They shouldn't win. And I, this, this game felt like that a little bit, handled the adversity, got after it. So I'm excited, man. I hope, and hopefully this crowd is bumping for this bills game. Cause that's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. I cannot wait. I will be at FedEx this weekend. I said that for week one and then, then I got, got, by the sickness, uh, please, to whatever deities are in control of said things, whatever one you pray to, allow me to be at FedEx Field this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a good time. All right. Uh, when we uh, get back on the preview pod, we will obviously take a look at the Buffalo Bills and how the commanders match up against them. Uh, if you want a deeper dive on the screen game, make sure you check out Take 5 from yesterday. We'll do some Buffalo stories uh, on Take 5 for tomorrow. And then uh, Friday morning, the preview pod comes out. We might have a special guest for that one. Working we'll working see. on that. I don't want to promise anything, but we're, uh, we're working on it. So uh, stay tuned for that. Subscribe, and that way you get everything as soon as it comes out on your favorite podcast, audio, or video platform. And uh, we'll see you later in the week on Take Command.